Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey there, I'm Jason Whiteley. This is the unofficial political podcast of Texas. This is Yolitics, and I am here with Jason Wheeler, your co-worker, and uh, I think we should start calling it the official the official, yeah, or the unofficial. why not? Why don't we have to be unofficial? We're we're at uh, Bolsa. This is a restaurant. It's a farm to table restaurant in North Oak Cliff and Bishop Arts. One of my favorite restaurants anywhere. Uh, it's been here ten or twelve years. But what's so cool about this? It is farm to table. So everything on the menu, the menu changes like a lot of these places do. Right. But everything on the menu is local. It yeah. has been grown or you know whatever from within 50 miles of this place. Mm -hmm. So that's what's so fascinating about the place. This whole movement has become a big deal to a lot of farmers, too. And it's great to see that, you know, people have embraced farmers and realized that they're the ones who are putting food on our tables. And uh, they haven't had an easy time of it. Yeah, indeed, uh, they haven't. So we're going to get into that uh, here in a moment. We are... uh, we cracked a pint. Jason, cheers to you. Cheers to you as well. I'm having the Oak Cliff Brewing Hefeweizen. And I am having, uh, I, I've got to pull up the name because I, I've, I've told you before, I'm not the biggest beer guy in the world. And so uh, I always choose by the name just like I do with horse racing. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I am having, where did it go here? Here it is. The OHB Freaky Deaky Belgian Triple. The Belgian Triple. I would bet money on that if it were running in a race, it, and therefore I have uh, gotten that today. And <laughs> and you know we always just have one when we do this, and so I've got to make it worthwhile. That's what Yolitix is all about. And you know you, more than anything, what we do, Jason, we get out of the studio. We don't have a fancy studio. We don't right. have a big budget. We have we have no budget. We have no budget at all. So we're we're out and about. We're taking the conversation to where the folks are actually having it. real people with real conversations. And one of the ideas we were talking about is this trade war. We've yeah. seen a lot of talk about the trade war that the president is having with China. And the question we had is, how is this affecting Texas farmers, the farmers who grow cotton, which is the largest crop in Texas, right. soybeans, you name it. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of farmers impacted by this. And that's what we discovered. Yeah. And there have been a great number of farmers who have said, we, we totally support having a trade war for this because we, we, we need to improve this. We need to make this, this, this you know, system better back and forth. There are some who are, are very much against it. But then there are a, a lot of people, whether they are for or against, who are struggling because of it. And that's who we wanted to get on the phone today. A guy named John Paul Deneen. He is a first-generation farmer. He's in Waxahachie, just south of Dallas. And we wanted to call him up and find out, number one, does he support the trade war that the president is doing? Right. And hasn't had any real results yet that the president can claim. But the question is, does Mr. Deneen still support the president yeah, in and, this trade war? And I'm curious to ask him, too, like, how is he making this work? Because, you know, it does start to cut into your business. How are you making this work until you get to an agreement? Let's go ahead and get him on the phone right now. Hello. Hey, John Paul. 
Oh, yes, sir. How are you? Not, not bad. I was told that you might be out in the field working on a combine that caught on fire yesterday. Did we get you to bad time, or do you have a few minutes? No, no, I'm actually uh, uh, waiting for, the, for John Deere to call me. I got you. Well, my, my name's Jason Whiteley, and I have my colleague Jason Wheeler here as well, too. Uh, so you can just refer to us as Jason, and one of us will answer. <laughs> or both of us will answer. <laughs> well, good, good to yeah. John Paul, let's dive right into this. We're, we're trying to find yeah. out how the tariffs and the trade war with China are impacting Texas farmers. Are you seeing something at your farm in Waxahachie? You know, um, it has been a steady downhill slide for the last four years on commodity prices. Our income, or myself or, or anybody in general, is 50% less than it was four years ago. What does that mean? Are you buying less, fewer TVs, fewer farm equipment? I mean, going out to eat less? Oh, What's going I mean, on? TVs are out of question. I mean, there, there is no... no. What, what that means is you're, you're in a, a make-do mindset, meaning you are trying to fix what you can to get by, you're in a, in a holding pattern, you might say, and you can you can mean that to anything. I mean, as far as uh, the tractors, we're, we're running tires that are wore out longer, I mean, than, than we have. I've got one on the back of my tractor now that has thread showing that I, I've run it that far because I'm trying to put off and put off the purchase of a new one because that money is really not there. You know, it's it's a you know it's a the old saying of Rob Peter Pay Paul kind of thing. There is not extra income, and that you know, as far as field work, you know, maybe in past where there was uh, a more of a profit margin, we did a little extra field work to get our seed bed prepared better. Well, so now we're in the the mindset of you know, we, we really can't afford that extra pass across the field, so we're going to have to, you know, call this good and, and, and make this do because we are tightening our belts, and we have been for the last couple of years, mm. you know, so much hoping and looking forward to things getting a little better and prices getting a little better. John Paul, tell us what all you farm and how long you have been farming in Waxahachie, which is in Ellis County just south of Dallas. So um, uh, we farm corn, wheat, milo, hay. Um, have you know a couple, a few uh, cow, calf uh, operation, that kind of deal. Um, now I am actually, uh, I guess you would say, kind of a unique deal. I'm a first generation farmer. I've been farming for about 27 years. Um, nobody else in my family farmed or anything like that. Um, so that. Uh, it puts in a whole different dynamic in my my shoes because um, when you have generational farms, you know it, it it helps weather these downturns, which which they all come, you know, whether it's from drought or whatever, uh, a little bit better. But for myself. Um, you know, you, you, it's a harder position to be in because you don't have that uh, equity built up 
you know, from being around for 50 or 75 years uh, in there, so it makes it especially tough. John Paul, you you paint a a pretty bleak picture of of what it's like when you see these graphs going in the wrong directions for you. Uh, How closely have you been watching this tariff war, this trade war between the U.S. and China, and what are your thoughts about it as we stand here today? We did not have a good situation with China before all of this. They were subsidizing their farmers uh, illegally, according to the WTO. Uh, I think I've seen $6 a bushel in subsidies they were getting over there. Mm. And, and that's just totally unfair to to us and the rest of the world on there. So something needed to be done. It's kind of like, uh, you know, we've all been in school and you had, you know, a substitute teachers and there was that one person in the class that, you know, would pull the strings and, and get away with stuff with substitutes. And then finally, you had a substitute that called them on the carpet and didn't put up with their shenanigans. I think that's kind of where we're at is, is somebody finally, you know, called China to the carpet and he's like, look, y'all just can't do what you want to do. Even the WTO has tried to find mm-hmm. China for their subsidies and stuff. And they just come do whatever they want to do. So, so, so that substitute teacher who's been uh, reining them in here, uh, it, we would right. presume is uh, is President Trump. And the latest num- the latest numbers, as far as polling goes, shows that uh, the vast majority of farmers still support him, even though they're feeling a lot of pain. But that support has eroded uh, in the last month or so. What are you seeing on the ground as far as your friends and your neighbors, your colleagues go? What are they saying right now? You know, we're, we're all in that boat that, that we, we are hurting and we are trying to hang on. Um, we, we want to, to have a better price where we can earn a living and, and go on down the road. We don't want check in the mailbox you know we appreciate you mean you mean like aid to help offset the losses correct president uh put out a uh oh and the name escapes me but there is a an aid the market assistance program subsidies yes market Market assistance program right is what they call it we appreciate that but you know we would rather have a good price and make a living and and kind of do our own thing you know on there yeah, it is getting it's getting stressful in the in the country. You know, we're we're trying to hang on to the administration, to the president, and what they're trying to do. But uh, you know, it's kind of one of those deals where you know we, we hope that's coming soon. John you know, Paul, we, 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 well, I I have no pull to do such a thing. But what if just what if I could get you ten minutes alone in the Oval Office? with President Trump, nobody but the two of you, and he's ready to hear your advice as a, a guy on the ground doing this, what do you say to him? You know, I, I would probably I would probably honestly say, you know, we've gone this far. Let's stick to our guns and, and finally, you know, get something that's right. It's going to be good for the long term because – I think this is one of those deals that's only going to come up ever ever so often. Nobody's going to you know touch it. So we dove into it this far. Let's let's go for broke and and make it a good deal while we're proud we went through this. You, you sound frustrated, John Paul. I can tell in your answers. <laughs> well, 
you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in, in the middle of harvest. I've had a fire on the combine. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the rocks, they were at, were at 350 $4 corn. You know, I, I, I'm probably a little more optimistic of, of being able to pay back and, and have a little, you know, to go forward. At, at 350 360 corn, you know, that's, that's up in the air because, you know, depending on what the yield is, uh, it's going to be tight. You know, it's going to be another tight season. Well, John Paul, here, here's the last question we have for you. Yes, sir. The, the national numbers with the, the trade with China are pretty astounding. In 2017, uh, China was buying almost $20 billion of American agricultural products. Mm-hmm. Last year, the number was less than half that, $9 billion. This year, it's going to be half of that, four, $4.5 maybe. The last yeah. question is, how much longer can you hang on there in Ellis County? You know, that, that is a good question. That is a hard question because nobody has that. That crystal ball to, to look into, um, you know, I, I won't. I probably won't know that until I uh, truthfully to finish harvest and see uh, did I pay back because um, you know we were we we were short. We had a shortfall last year, so I had carryover losses coming into this year, mm. and and. The seed company and and those that are you know the fertilizer company those kind of things they didn't come out and say it but the insinuation was that you know if we have losses going forward this year there is no going forward mm. you know they, they we've got to get back to zero to be able to go forward uh, they've already carried those losses forward a year um, so you know it's 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 a delicate time it's a stressful time and and truthfully won't be able to answer that until. It's all in the truck, in the bin, as they say. Well, I know you have a harvest there, and you got to deal with that combine out in the uh, the field, too. So, John Paul, I appreciate you taking some time for you, and we'll be thinking about you. You're, you're very welcome. I appreciate it, and I appreciate y'all, you know, reaching out to, to us producers to, to hear directly from us, you know, how, how it affects us. Well, good luck to you, sir. Thank you very much. All right, that was John Paul Deneen of Waxahachie, Ellis County, just south of Dallas. Let's call Gary Joyner, though. He's the uh, communications guy for the Texas Farm Bureau. Kind of get that bigger picture. Hello, this is Gary. Hey, Gary, this is Jason Whiteley. How are you? I'm doing well, Jason. I'm. Uh, thank you for calling this morning. Everything's good on this end. We hear the term trade war. We hear tariffs. This sounds really abstract, but farmers are actually really being tangibly affected by this you're seeing, huh? It is. Uh, trade is a real issue for not only Texas farmers and ranchers, but all U.S. of agriculture. This is uh, about a third of the net farm income that farmers and ranchers count on each year is related to trade, those foreign markets that buy our products. And, and Texas and U.S. farmers produce the most quality, the, the most uh, abundant uh, commodities of anywhere in the world and they need to sell about a third of those in a given year uh, to keep things flowing. Let's talk about that a little bit, Gary. Uh, we, we've been looking at the, the latest numbers on Chapter 12 bankruptcies. That's, you know, farming bankruptcies. And uh, they're up 13% from last year, according to the Farm Bureau. Can you kind of paint the picture as to what it's like out on the land right now? What are you coming across as far as, as farmers go? Is there a lot of struggling that's going on right now? 
I think the short answer is yes, and I think there are different factors that are affecting different parts of the country. We've had extreme weather situations in parts of the Midwest in areas where they did not get a crop planted, and it may be the second or third year in which uh, no crop or lower crop yields uh, were being impacted by weather situations. We've got low commodity prices for the most part across the board, and uh, those are not helping the bottom line in any way. And then the tariff situation. These are higher tariffs than we've seen in years, and the combination of all three have been described as kind of a perfect storm in terms of economic impact for farmers and ranchers. So not surprised that some of the bankruptcy numbers are higher than they were a year ago. It's the nature of agriculture in the U.S. right now. Uh, It is a difficult uh, way to make a living. Uh, They love it. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice they've made. They will continue to persevere. They're resilient. Uh, But many tell us they're they're holding on right now uh, in hopes of better times, and maybe better times are right around the corner. And, and Gary, who is most affected? Is soybean farmers, cotton farmers? Who's really impacted by the tariffs out there with the trade war going on with China? I think nationally you can say soybean farmers are probably the most impacted because they had the highest stake to lose in terms of China sales. China was a huge buyer of U.S. soybeans. And when those markets closed, uh, they did not have other markets to replace that. And soybean growers in the Midwest are are very much impacted. And you're hearing about those stories. Here in Texas, I think I would point to cotton. Cotton is our most valuable commodity that we grow in Texas in terms of economic impact, uh, total cash value. Uh, They were heavily, uh, cotton farmers were heavily dependent on exports have been for a good number of years because uh, we do not have the textile manufacturing in the U.S. to process our own cotton. So as much as 95% of the cotton grown in the U.S. is sold elsewhere. China was a big buyer. China likes Texas cotton, likes U.S. cotton. And that market, uh, if it's not available, really takes some of the uh, economic punch out of cotton because they need that uh, for economic purposes. Gary, let's kind of put this in perspective then. So so to recap what you just said, cotton is the cash crop here in Texas. The vast, vast majority of it is sold overseas. China is a huge consumer of it. If it's not selling in China, there's a lot of pain for the cotton farmer. And have we seen the extent of that pain yet if, in fact, uh, the harvest is this fall? Uh, would If this doesn't get worked out over the next four, five, six months, does the pain increase exponentially here in Texas? I think you'll see it in the price that the cotton farmers will receive for their product. It will be less per pound than normally they would receive if China was in the marketplace as a buyer. So it's a reduced value. Uh, There will be uses for that cotton, but it'll be at a reduced rate. Uh, Farmers and ranchers plan one or two years ahead from a financial standpoint when they look at their uh, balance sheet, when they look at their financing and what they need in a given year to make all that work, they count on a certain price projection helping them do that. So when this all came to be and China removed itself from buying any additional U.S. agricultural products, that price took a hit. So farmers and ranchers, uh, particularly cotton farmers, are looking at where they can make up some of that lost ground Uh, That Chinese market took years to develop, and uh, it was important. It was critical. Uh, But time will tell how quickly we can get back in it. What are you seeing as far as the politics of this goes? Uh, Do do people mention the president? Are they talking about, you know, the tariff plan and and where this is headed? What are they saying? 
I think what I'm hearing is that there is still support for the president in rural areas of Texas and across the country. If you look at the most recent presidential election, as much as 60% support was in those rural areas. And I think it's still there. Uh, the word we're hearing from farmers and ranchers uh, that we represent, that are members of the Texas Farm Bureau, is they are patient, uh, they are hopeful, uh, but they are beginning to be concerned. They're nervous. Uh, they're looking at some of the financial impacts that are happening, and they're hoping and they're encouraging the president and his administration to get a deal done as quickly as possible. In a trade war, there are mostly losers. There are few winners. And right now, agriculture in Texas and across the country uh, is one of those that are feeling the impacts. But politically, it does not surprise me that that figure is 70% plus. I think uh, they understand the goal of the president. They understand the need to address China. It has not been a, a good actor in the international trade community for decades. And they understood that something had to be done. Uh, so they're hanging on for the short term and hoping for a, a better long-term arrangement. You mentioned that farm income for the last six years has been going down and salaries are about half today what they were six years ago. I'm curious, to, how much longer can farmers hold out for this trade war? Yeah, what that number relates to, there's a statistic that a lot in agriculture look at because it's farm net income. It is the true margin, the true profit that's being generated on farms and ranches across this country. And that figure has been declining over the past six years to a point where that farm net income average now is about half what it was six years ago. I mean, that is difficult uh, to sustain. You can't sustain that. So what do you do? I think you look for efficiencies. You look for ways of uh, making best with what you have. You're not purchasing new equipment. You're not perhaps expanding your operation if financially it does not pencil out. How do you make this matter to the greater public? I mean, I think most of us are going about our lives and worried about our own bills. We're not necessarily thinking about uh, what's going on in the breadbasket. Uh, great question and great observation. Uh, the numbers reflect that most Americans are two to three generations removed from the farm. We've never had empty grocery store shelves in this country. There's always been food available at some point where individuals could find it when they need it. One and a half percent of our society grows food and fiber. So we that don't uh, just assume it will always be there. But one farmer right now in the U.S. feeds 165 people on average. Uh, and a good third of that is outside of the U.S. So we are dependent on a very small segment of our society to keep us going and to provide the food, the fuel, and the fiber that we need to sustain. All right. Gary, thanks so much. My pleasure. I appreciate the visit. It's not just John Paul Deneen who is suffering, but there are a lot of Texas farmers, as we just heard, who are suffering because of this, but their support for the president has not wavered. Right. That, to me, is fascinating. And, and you wonder, uh, you know, how long can that hold? How long does that hold if we don't get to that agreement? Because, you know, will you see, you know, huge amounts of cotton sitting in fields in Texas? Uh, because then the pinch really starts. 
And, you know, we've heard so much about aid being given to these farmers, but a, a lot of them say, we don't, we don't want that. You heard him say it himself. He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't want that check in the mailbox every week or right. every other week. He, he wants he, to earn his living the he, way he has set out to do with his passion. He wants to do it like all Texans, uh, all Texans do indeed. So this is going to continue to play out until the president is successful uh, in getting a trade deal, if he is successful mm-hmm. in getting a trade deal. So that's this episode here. Uh, you know, thanks for listening to Y'all Ticks. We'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review on wherever you get your podcast from. And, you know, in the review, tell us if there's a topic you think we should re- really be covering. Yeah, or if you think that there is a uh, beer that we should try. I'm going to try Freaky Deaky next time. It's got to have a good name for me to pick it. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>